0: You are listening to the cycling podcast at the 2023 tour de france fan. today we're in montignac lasco
1: well that was the thrilling sound of the journalists all Standing around, uh, crouched around the televisions on the finish line, getting very animated. It's actually not something that happens that often that the journalists start cheering people. Well, I guess national pride uh, aside, you don't often hear uh, so many uh, journalists getting on one side of the ride. But I'm not going to reveal what happened uh, in the end, because that's up to Lizzie in the tale of the attack. Um But we're here, Denny, a rather serene kind of surround. I mean, I know we said that Moriac yesterday was was quiet, but it's very serene here, isn't it? It's this is Lascaux, where the near to where, well, where the prehistoric caves uh, are, where they have the cave paintings that are 17,000 uh, years old. But we're uh, we're not in the caves, obviously. We're just in a lovely little bar next to a squeaky parasol.
2: <laughs> yeah, we left uh, a quite chilly. Uh, montignac this morning where it's threatening to rain and now it's turned into a beautiful summer's evening here in montignac with the birds tweeting and we're in the back garden of a a lovely and very civil restaurant very different Ooh. to the uh <laughs> i hope everyone heard that
1: because literally as soon as you said civil uh, someone smashed a glass so you know that's just absolutely perfect timing but actually we should be saying our local guide for this evening is lizzie banks um who we have uh on on Zoom here because you've actually been to Montignac Lascaux and you've actually seen the cave paintings that we
3: we failed to get to. Well, I haven't actually seen the cave paintings because nobody can see them because it's actually a replica, oh. isn't it? Yes. Um, and it was about twenty five years ago, revealing my age. Um, <laughs> but I do remember being. And you can still remember it, Lizzie. Yeah, I remember it really vividly because it was just. Really, I mean, because it was really impressive that the caves were so old, um, and also because it was—I remember when, because I was pretty young. I think I was eight years old or something. Being a bit annoyed when that I couldn't eight, see the real think, ones.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not surprised. But also, when you're eight, you think that you know people who are like 33 are old, right? Yeah, I know. So that must have just blown your mind.
3: Yeah, it really, it it really did. Um, and no, I remember it quite vividly. It was a really, really amazing trip to see uh, to see the caves. So. um, yeah, but don't worry, Rose. You didn't miss out because it wasn't the real ones
1: anyway. And we're not going to knock it more than we already already have today. But Francois Thomaso is obviously going to fill us in a little bit more uh, about this area. But we also started in beautiful surroundings in Cologne. No, I've got that wrong. Do you know what? I've literally Cologne. had it. The road Cologne-la-Rouge. I can't remember for the life of me the name of that uh, start town. But it was extremely uh, pretty kind of little pinkish, reddish uh, stone buildings and little like hammock shops and mm. so we've seen some other beautiful things today Denny haven't we but yeah, it's um, beautiful
2: red sandstone buildings weren't they yeah uh, and the view from the, the from well up above the uh, the signing on podium was just incredible with the the rooftops the turrets the the hills yeah it was a it was a really idyllic setting wasn't it for a, a stage start
3: it
1: was and it was surprise like surprisingly full of crowds also or as, as it has been all day but we should find out what actually happened in uh, the race as opposed to what happened in our uh, the, the tale of our day we should hear the tale of the attack
0: it's time for the tale of the attack
3: Rose stage three of the tour de france femme avec Zwift, 147.2 kilometers from collange la rouge to montignac lascaux Katrin Hammers of EF Tibco SVB made an early getaway, finding herself up the road and all alone for 60 kilometres before getting swept up by an attacking yet cagey bunch. Solo pain was the name of the game today, with the second lone attack coming from Julie van der Velde of Fenix de Koenig. Kicking hard with 59 kilometres to go, van der Velde went clear on the Côte des (laughs) Entrée quickly sweeping up the remaining mountain points before establishing her gap of over two minutes with only 30 kilometres to go. DSM Firmenich decided enough was enough as the gap neared two minutes 30 seconds and headed to the front to keep things under control. DSM's chase and the flurry for the intermediate sprint at 25 to go saw the gap to the front plummet by a minute with van der Velde taking maximum 25 points up front Mormon Passio took heed of our advice last night and grasped the third <laughs> what spot was? behind Lorena Vivas who took second <laughs> now it was the turn of Canyon Schram to come to the front rotating through in what was eventually a futile attempt to split the group in a cross tailwind sector At 20 k's to go, the one-minute gap to van der Velde now looked safe for a bunch gallop to the line. Then a fast 10-kilometer descent saw the raging bunch bring it down to only 30 seconds. The inevitable seemed inevitable. Surely the catch would momentarily be made. With DSM Firmenich still taking responsibility, their resources were fading. Inside eight kilometers to go now, and the gap to van der Velde was going out again. It was three kilometres to go, still 30 seconds of a gap, when SD works deigned to come to the front and pull. Chicchini first, then Royce, then the high speed of the slight downhill causing chaos as lead-out riders got sucked back into the swarming peloton. Van der Velde ahead in a world of pain under the flam Rouge now. A quick look back confirmed the bunch were coming thick and fast, but could she still make it? Don't think, just do. Head down for Van der Velde with the finish line in sight now, but the sprint was in full flow. Georgie first, then Sanguinetti with Capecchi launching out and catching Van der Velde with a hundred 150 meters to go heartbreak for van der velde but the show must go on from behind kopecky vibas launched on the left vos launched on the right they pushed each other right to the line it was down to the wire but the best in the business pulled it off with vibas sitting up and roaring her celebration as she clinched her third ever tour de france stage win A thrilling day out with just reward for a courageous and gutsy van der Velde taking home the polka dot jersey and the combativity award, as well as the admiration of spectators on the edge of their seats. No change in the white jersey competition for best young rider, which is held by Cedrine Kerbal. Mariana Voss (laughs) took second place in the sprint with Kopecky taking yet more bonus seconds in third, now holding a 55 second advantage in the general classification. Kopecky is still leading the green jersey classification, but with teammate Lorena Wiebers now snapping at her heels, only 25 points behind. You know what, I knew I
1: could trust my intuition that I didn't need to spoil it at the start. I could just play this kind of tense bit of audio right at the beginning, and that Lizzie would just sweep us into a <laughs> moment of suspense all the way through her tale of the attack. But it was it was a thrilling ride from Julie Vandervelde, wasn't it? And we were watching it uh, on the finish line, weren't we Denny? And it was like 30, uh, three kilometers ago, 30 seconds, two kilometers ago, 20 seconds, 10 kilometres ago, 11 seconds, and it kind of just came down like that, and you just thought, it was so in the balance here. And if people get the hump with uh, Works, which we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit more uh, about later, then, you know, maybe the chase back on will, you know, falter, and maybe she could make it. And it, it, it wasn't completely flat either, was it? it there was a, a little ramp up to the line. Mm. Could she stay away? I mean, how did you see it, Denny? Which side were you on? I guess your heart and your head might have been... Separated at that that point. No, Not they were physically they were... separated. That would be appalling. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, what have you that done was, him? You, wouldn't, right. be, I, <laughs> you I, wouldn't be here now if that was the case. But
2: I can confirm I'm still intact, and <laughs> and that also, yeah, my heart and my head were were. I mean, I have to confess I was willing on uh, uh, Van der Velde. I mean, I think everybody watching there wanted her to to win, and it, as you say, it was about 5 k to go I think the gap started creeping up again and I think Mm. that gave everyone real real hope Um, and I did say to a colleague maybe she'll get caught on the you know with 200 metres to go and and so it was and it was it was a oh
1: nicely
3: slipped in there Denny that you were just (laughs) perfectly yeah. exactly right of course but... <laughs> if I got
2: it wrong I wouldn't have I wouldn't have mentioned it
3: <laughs> I actually texted you guys saying she's going to stay away you know I really thought I thought that's <laughs> I it did. you know they've they've blown it but it was that that little run you know that sort of slight uphill drag just after the flam Rouge which I think was really her downfall because you lose so much as a solo rider against a raging bunch on that slight uphill but god it was absolutely thrilling
2: yeah and the thing is I mean she she's never won a race She's 30 years old, and what a win that would have been as oh, well. Oh, you don't. Know. You're piling on now, Denny. <laughs> I think her oh best God. result sixth on GC in, at the Tour of Scandinavia so far. So she came very, very close to a, an absolutely magnificent victory, and I think a whole team deserves credit, actually, because mm. they've, they've ridden really well over the last couple of days. She was going in the action yesterday, and then she was in the break again today, I guess with you know the ambition to get the Queen of the Mountains points, which she succeeded in doing very effectively. But uh, yeah, I think we're all a little bit disappointed despite wanting to stay neutral.
1: Well, they've actually, uh, you know, got the top two uh, Queen of the Mountains points, didn't they? Because Yara Castelline yesterday um, had the Queen of the Mountains jersey. But Julie van der Velde also went uh, on a solo break uh, yesterday. Also, she was one of the earlier um attempts. When I mean, we got to the categorised climbs yesterday, she went off and then got pulled back. But So it's great to see that aggressive racing, Lizzie, from Fenix to Koenig, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is. I'm just going to slip in a quick live corrections corner here, because Vandervelde actually won the Flanders Ladies Classic um, 1.2 race <sighs> back in 2019. So, sorry Danny. Um, oh, you're right, <laughs> Lizzie they? just got that off the top of her head yeah. as well. It's not like she looked that up, <laughs> she just knew it. <laughs> she has
1: all the results of every bike race tattooed on her arms. That's why she can just... <laughs> pick them out like
2: that. She does. Uh, um, so wow. I've actually
3: completely forgotten your, your question, Rose. Um, because I just, <laughs> because of I was awful so era. focused on correcting Denny. And, I, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want us to have all of these emails that we're going to have to fill through tonight <laughs> saying Corrections yeah. Corner. I, I mean, we, yesterday we, get, we were
2: going for 60% accuracy. Yeah, no,
3: true. But I mean, we have enough mistakes in the podcast that, you know, if we spot one live, then we better correct it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just saying,
1: Lizzie, that Phoenix de Kerning, obviously Julie van der Velde went for it yesterday yes, on a uh, break and also yara castelline uh, her teammate um who had the the uh, was wearing the polka dots and now that's obviously swapped to uh van der velder now you know it's great to see that racing from them
3: yeah no, it's really great to see that they they have such attacking racing and that they're trying to make an impact on this race because you know often we get to the end of a long race and we say well what has team x y and z done Um, and it's great to see a, a smaller team without a sort of you know Top either GC or sprint rival coming in and saying, No, we are still going to have, we may not be the favourites, but we're still going to have an impact on this race and going out and doing it. Um, the one thing that's a little bit curious is how, you know, Van der Velde attacked yesterday, she got some mountain points, um, she then came back and then Castelline then went again to get the other mountains points and instead of them sending Castleine again out today as she was actually higher up in the ranking than julie van der they sent julie van der Velde out um and there was an interview on eurosport gcn um where iris Lappendel went to speak to the the ds and they said yeah, we we're not we, we decided that we weren't gonna send Castelline out and we were gonna send Van der Velde out, but I'm not gonna tell you why. Um so <laughs> it's curious. But they are in this position now where they have two riders who are they are able to sort of um attempt to to get that jersey with. But I mean, really we just have to give full credit to, to Vandervelde's ride today as a whole, rather than just her impact on the on the mountains jersey, because that was a sixty kilometre solo breakaway where she did a phenomenal job of holding off an absolutely raging bunch DSM were putting a lot of work into bringing her back simply couldn't Um, yes there wasn't cohesion at the front of the bunch and we can talk about that later but at the end it was still 100 plus riders against one and she was really holding her own and nearly made it to the line 150 meters to go she got caught
2: yeah I think it's also worth saying I think talking about the team display they did a brilliant job of trying to Run uh, infiltrate, yeah, interfere with the, with the chase. I mean, Castelline herself was up there at the front. Uh, the, you know, the whole team was getting involved, and uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it really sh- yeah, it was a brilliant team display overall. I think.
3: Yeah, Marlon, Marlon Royce has said after the race she was up doing the uh, the one pull that SD works actually decided to do, uh, and she looked okay. across to the right saw the blue jersey, thought it was DSM Fenix, um, and pulled off thinking that they were coming through. But it was actually Fenix de Koenig, who, again, it was another another beautiful moment where absolutely perfect timing, came to the front, disrupted the chase. And in that critical three to two kilometre to go mark, actually gave her a few more seconds in the bag.
1: Well, Liz, you mentioned a bit earlier the DS for Fenix de Kerning. that's Michelle Cornelis, and I uh, caught up with him at the finish. He actually said that they were that one of their plans was to uh, ride for the sprint for Julie de Vilder. actually. Mm. That was one of the things they were going into uh, the day thinking about. Um, but let's uh, hear uh, a bit from him.
4: I can only be proud eh? if you ride. If you lose like this, then you can only be proud. And, uh, yeah, I feel very sorry for her because she's not winning much. And she was now so close, maybe the, the best chance in her life. But she gave everything. It was a long solo, eh? I think uh, around 55 kilometers. And uh, if you hold Vibers, that's that was the whole day very fast. And if you can continue 55 kilometers long in front of the peloton, then in my eyes, you're the winner also. But, yeah, there's only one winner in cycling. And that's the problem with, with cycling. There's only one going home with the flowers. But we, we give everything. And we try to do uh, more days in this Tour de France. Yeah, okay, we, we know it was not easy. Because, uh, yeah, it's one minute and then the peloton. But then it was 25 seconds. And then you, the next time it was 30 seconds again. So th- that shows how strong she was. And yeah, then in the car, you get a little bit nervous and sweaty. And, uh, and then it was 35 seconds. But yeah, then you still know the finish is a little bit uphill. And of course, the other teams are going for the lead out yeah, with, like SD works with the strongest team here. So then, yeah, it's getting close. Yeah, and it was very close. But, but we can go up with our heads up, back to the hotel.
0: The cycling podcast of the 2023 Tour de France Femmes is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport, fueled by science.
5: Thank you very much to Science in Sport for supporting the Cycling Podcast. They've been supporting us since 2016 and that backing was a big factor in us being able to expand the number of shows that we can produce. And when Science in Sport came on board in 2016, very shortly afterwards, we added the Cycling Podcast Feminine to our family of podcasts. And their continuing support is a big factor in us being able to have Rose and Denny over there in France covering the Tour de France fam this week. As world leaders in endurance nutrition, Science in Sport have added a new protein bar to their range of energy products. It's a tasty, low sugar, high protein bar coated in chocolate and conveniently split into two 32 gram bars so it's easy to eat in portions when you're on the bike. Each pack contains 20 grams of protein to help muscle growth. The products are all developed for elite athletes, primarily, but are available to all of us. So the new protein bar comes in the following flavours. White chocolate fudge, milk chocolate peanut butter, dark chocolate raspberry and cookies and cream. I think of those, I would go milk chocolate peanut butter would be my go-to bar. Anyway, go to scienceinsport.com for the full range, fueled by science.
1: Well, we're quite a way into this podcast already, and we really haven't mentioned the victor almost at all. And the winner was, of course, uh, Lorena Vibus, Um, someone that you, pred- you predicted for almost every stage, Lizzie. <laughs> Is it fair to say?
2: She uh, she tried a bit harder for you.
1: Yes, yeah, that's true. Good job, Lorena. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. She only tried right, right at the uh, very end, though. Um, with Works not doing a, a mammoth amount uh, of uh, the work during the day. But actually, her victory was pretty resounding, wasn't it, Denny? I mean, her leg speed alone is just, it, you can't compare it with all the other the riders. The fact that Mariana Voss uh, was right up there and she's been a little bit off form. Lovely to see Mariana up there, but Lorena kind of won it by, by a bit of a mile.
2: It was a convincing win and it was a very clinical and cutthroat display from the team. It was really interesting listening to Lorena at the in the press room afterwards. Um, and well, I know we'll go on and t- to talk about the, the, the chase and whether the team really played a part in that. And I know Lizzie has very strong no. feelings about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, she, she, she actually said, you know, sometimes you have to eat first place from another rider. And when referring to uh, DSM and the fact that they basically done, did all the work in the chase and, uh, and put ev- everything into it she, she said well you know I know that's, that's the way they work, I was on that team last year, if they have a plan they commit to it, they follow through so I knew that they would chase and, and almost said well you know we've won loads of races this year, we didn't have to chase it wasn't up to us uh, and she said that's the game
3: Ooh. but you know that's what that's what really gets me because it's not that SD works don't chase because we know that's what they don't do and you know I know I'm supposed to be talking about Lorena's victory um, <laughs> but I, I just can't <laughs> hold back on this it's not that they don't chase because we know that they have a history of not chasing it's the fact that the other teams pander to it they play up mm. to it why don't they just say nope we're going to call your bluff and we're not going to chase because you have the yellow jersey. You have the number one favorite for the stage who was already told us very clearly that this is one of the stages that she circled. She wouldn't be here if she didn't want to win. So why are DSM actually doing the chasing? Why don't they say like, no, we're not going to do it. Like if, if the whole peloton says, no, we're not going to do it. You do it. Then they will actually do it eventually. Well, shall we
1: hear from two different standpoints? Um, we've got Misha Bradevold uh, from SD Works who's uh, giving the explanation of why, you know, it, it wasn't their duty to chase. I mean, it's pretty rare for the team with the yellow jersey not to have to, uh, and the favourite sprinter to not have to do the chasing. It's pretty rare. But uh, let's hear Misha Bradevold um, explaining that. I should say now that she is sitting in. Uh, a paddling pool outside the team bus that is filled with very cold water and it's obviously like a ice bath and little bags of ice. So there is a moment while I'm talking to her when someone puts more cold water in and she gives a little squeal. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going on there. So uh, let's uh, hear from Misha brave and actually let's hear from Pfeiffer Georgie of Team DSM straight after that giving the other side of the story about what uh five for georgie thought happened uh being part of team being the road captain for team dsm who uh of course were the ones that seemed to be on the front the most misha two uh stage wins for the team out of three and two different winners that must be a very
6: satisfying start to the you can still call
1: it the start to the tour
6: yeah it is really satisfying and i think it's really um <sighs> important but it's really nice to have a good start because then it gives you energy for for the for the rest of the weekend uh yeah I don't know. It's it, the the main goal was um, is only yellow actually. So stage wins is an extra thing, and for something extra to already happen twice, it's really nice. Did you think it was actually gonna
1: make it to a sprint because we didn't see much of ST Works on the front there when uh, Julie
6: Van der Velde was ahead? Yeah, it was really tight. It was think it was good television at home. No, I think. Um, DSM was, was pulling already quite early and they really take took the initiative and then uh, yeah, there's no need for two teams to ride in front for 20k long I think and yeah, as I said, for us stage wins is, is an extra thing and really nice but um, I think for DSM now with Charlotte Cool they really want, needed to sprint or wanted to sprint for the stage win and then yeah, if we can profit a little bit from that then um, yeah, of course we do it
1: is it kind of a, a DS decision for you guys not to pull, or you just see what's going
6: on out on the road? Uh, yeah, we decided to pull the last uh, 6K or something when the, when we saw that they were not going to be able to close the gap. Ah! Cold. <laughs> 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 In the meanwhile, I got some ice over my legs. Ah, dude! <laughs> <think. laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, it was difficult to organise something because it was really hectic and, uh, yeah... I don't know, because the speed was so high, then it's also hard to, to pass the peloton, but then I think in the end we pulled a few times and uh, it was just enough.
1: But we saw DSM doing an awful lot of work uh, at the front, Front. what was the kind of thinking behind that decision? Normally it's the yellow jersey, that team that has to do it.
7: Yeah, it normally is. Um, <laughs> I spoke to them and they said they wouldn't ride. Um, so we had full confidence in our sprinter, so we weren't going to play games at this point. We wanted a sprint. and. Um, we committed fully to that plan. The gap was still 2 minutes 20 uh, in the last 30 35k, so um, someone had to ride. Um, and yeah, Leo and Megan did a massive job um, closing the gap. And yeah, we did what we, yeah, we brought it back to a sprint and just it didn't work out today for Charlotta.
1: What is the, do you have any sense of what the thinking is behind SD Works? Not, obviously, they had. Have- plenty of sprinting options and in fact won the stage What was the thinking behind them not doing the work there
7: um i spoke to them in the race and they said they wouldn't ride uh i heard they said they didn't know that someone was off the front but yeah i am not sure i you never know with them
1: <laughs> how frustrating is it for you as a team captain here uh, to be faced with that kind of uh, unhelpfulness say from the other teams
7: yeah i try not to get too caught up in it um I, yeah, it's not the first time, so I kind of expected it, and then I just make, along with, yeah, Kelvin in the car, make decisions on the road about whether we need to use riders, and today we had to use uh, everyone, actually, um, towards the end, and yeah, that was just the way it was today.
1: Did that affect, then, the the lead-out that Lottie got at the end?
7: Uh, Yeah, so then my job's usually bringing her into the last 200 metres, and today it was Closing the gap in the last kilometer, so uh, I think for everyone, all our roles would, were more focused on closing the gap because, yeah, we have a perfect lead-up plan, but it never goes that way in the race. And our main priority is always get Charlotta in a position to sprint for the win. Thanks, Rafa.
1: So there we heard from Misha Brederold, uh first Vesti Works. Uh, and then we heard from Pfeiffer Georgie of uh, Team DSM. Now, uh, Denny, I know that you caught up with the DS um, from Team DSM to try and get another view. I mean, Pfeiffer Georgie was quite um, clear there that you know they thought they had a good chance with Charlotte Cool, and therefore you know they kind of had to had to do it. What did he have to say?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have to confess, I made the the rookie error of uh, not recording the interview effectively, <laughs> but it, it was a, he gave a really interesting kind of readout of the of of what happened, you know, as I said earlier, they they basically made the plan and they they committed to it. And they felt that if no one got on the front to chase van der Wilde, then they wouldn't catch her. There was a tailwind, it was a flat run in and a slightly downhill run in to to the finish. And uh, they felt they had to commit. And, you know, they're I guess they're famous for having their plan and just sticking with it. And that's what they did. They committed rider after rider. He mentioned the fact that, um, you know they've, they've got some injuries in the team didn't didn't say who but they ended up putting Juliette Leboose in it, and she kind of took over in the lead out of one kilometre to go and then of course Pfeiffer Georgie led out Charlotte cool and um, you know his feeling was that in the end I guess because they'd run out of riders Georgie kind of went went a little bit earlier than they, they perhaps should have and
1: uh, Well we saw, that, didn't we? we saw them at the front almost constantly and then almost when it came to the critical moment they Disappeared. They kind of got enveloped back into uh, the rest of the bunch, and we didn't see them on the front. End, it looked like Charlotte Cool had to kind of find her own wheels in the finale, which is the most crucial bit to have the lead out.
2: Precisely. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I. I mean, you know. Following on from what Lizzie is saying, it would be great to see the whole peloton call SD Works bluff and see what happens. I mean that would just be a, a lovely test on a, a future stage.
1: Problem is though, I mean the thing is this season, and I was speaking to Magnus Back, said, um, DS Canyon-Sram, about this after the, the stage that, uh, that most teams have got so little out of this season because SD Works have won so much, mm. and also you know any uh, any other pickings have gone to Movistar and Anna van Vluten, um, that there is that teams are much more desperate to do anything they can to give themselves uh, a chance at victory so i guess that it's kind of that balance and i know lizzie you're going to say you're not giving yourself much a uh, chance of victory if you're doing the work that actually works and they they keep their powder dry right to the finale and then they have all the numbers all the lead out all the energy uh, at the end but i guess if you're really desperate uh, to find that one major victory this season, and you have a decent sprinter, then you know you're gonna you're gonna feel foolish if you let Julie Van der Velde win, uh, and you didn't get Charlotte Cool
3: in the best place that she could be to to win that stage. Is that not is that not the case? I, I just think that DSM need to play poker. We see this time and time and time again where Esti works. On paper have the responsibility to chase and DSM end up doing the work uh, and then SD works end up winning. You know, it was interesting. Lorena Vibas actually said in her interview, she said, we felt it was not up to us to start the chase. We still had have some hard days to go. As if the rest of the Peloton doesn't have hard days to go. You know, I like, like that how, 'cause it's so how bare ridiculous face. is how <laughs> ridiculous is that? Like Oh, it's it's hard it's hard for SD Works coming up, so they shouldn't be doing the chasing. No, I'm sorry, but I, I don't actually think this is SD Works' fault because, you know, if they if they call DSM's bluff and DSM ride, well they're not they're not gonna just come round, are they? Um I think that this is DSM's game to play and they need to play it smarter. I mean, really, they're putting LaBoose on the front? You know, she already lost forty three seconds on her G C rivals on the first day, like don't be so stupid to put her on the front. You know, it's interesting also because you know, Marlon Roiser did her you know, ten-second pull where she where she actually pulled ten seconds out of the lead to uh, to Van der Velde, which was quite quite <laughs> impressive, really. Um, but she also said after the race, she said she would have helped earlier, but she couldn't get through because she was behind. So, so you know, the the whole thing just seems ridiculous, really. But it was clear, you know, it's always clear that Lorena Vives wants to win. We know that she is. She is super hungry and super motivated for every stage where she has that chance to win. So we know that she is going to fight for it. Um, and you just have to, you've just got to, the teams just have to put it to them and say, right, if you want it, you, you do it or you lose it.
2: Lizzie, to play devil's advocate, you could say, well, Charlotte Cool has, I think it's 10 victories this season. You might, you might want to correct me in a minute if I've got that wrong I've done that <laughs> check your hoof. arm check the but, tattoos yeah, but, um, but in any case you know she, she's, she's on fire she can won I just four stop stages. you there Denny
1: and just say that Lizzie is rapidly trying to Google oh, how yes,
2: many you, me. you have
1: your moment Denny please <laughs> she, you you know, she won moment. four stages in a
2: row at the belvoir's tour you, you know and she you're... beat
1: she did beat Lorena Vibas yeah. the UAE tour she's yeah. the only person yeah. who's beaten you could
2: say well actually why wouldn't you back your sprinter you've you you could if you've got confidence in her you could be saying well you know we've got the best sprinter in the race we want to back her uh, show her how much confidence we have in her
3: go for the win 11 victories if you include the general (laughs) classification at ride
7: london no we're
1: not counting
3: (laughs) that come on (laughs) <laughs> yes, she does have more victories, but in head-to-heads against Lorena Vibas, she's not been the strongest. But, but what
2: signal would that send to Charlotta if the DSM said, no, we're not going to bother not about. It's
3: not about signal, it's to- about saying we're going to save all of our riders for the final lead-out because we know that we're really good in the final lead-out. We also know that they're going to want to pull this back. Um, you know, We know that they want to go for the win and they need to use their resources rather than us using ours.
4: Do you know, did not
1: come back to what Misha Bredewald said? They, they've had so many wins this season. They've already got a win. Uh, another stage, They've already got a stage win at the Tour de France fam. They're really looking at the GC more SD than anything else. works don't else. race for seconds. No, I think you'll probably... Well,
3: you'd be mad if they did race for a second because they've got so many wins accidentally if they are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, exactly. We you know, should... They we Sorry. they don't have that many wins by racing for second do they so they want it they're hungry for it and sometimes you just got to stick it to them and say no nope, it's your like you have the yellow jersey and the outright favorite by an absolute mile so it's yours to lose
2: we, we should also just take time to just to salute. Lorena Weavis, yeah, because Well because yeah. we've been talking about DSM <laughs> for the last uh, 10 minutes but you know that's a uh, ninth win of the season the 10th if you count her TTT win uh, Lizzie will be busy checking out the stats <laughs> now 63 <laughs> wins in total and I, I, I saw on, on uh, that she'd ridden 252 race days so that means she's won 25% of the races or stages she's ridden that that includes all bonkers. of the climbing yeah. and, and hilly stages which is absolutely amazing for a 24 year old
1: I mean she is out and out the top sprinter I don't think that yeah. that can be in doubt which which I do you know does buy into what Lizzie is saying that you know if she's the out and out sprinter by far you know the best sprinter in the world obviously Elisa Balsamo um, was trying to get up there today but you know she's, she's recovering from injuries from a crash Marina Navos has, has not had uh, the spring that she's wanted to have. She had iliac artery surger- surgery in uh, the winter. Um, so, I mean, they're really you can't really look beyond Lorena Vibas. So, you know, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, as you said, Lizzie, Ashley mormon Passio took heed of what you said uh, yesterday.
2: <laughs> well, so maybe, maybe DSM will take heed wouldn't. of it. Yeah, well. maybe. And maybe Lorena Webus wouldn't have won today, Lizzie, if you hadn't told her to try a bit harder.
1: <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> it all comes down to that. But we should say, I mean, obviously coming down to a sprint, it looks like it's going to go to Lorena Webus, doesn't it? But um, we, you said actually yesterday, Lizzie, that it would be a great one for a breakaway. And we obviously saw that kind of proven a bit with uh, Julie van der Velde getting... On so well, but it was surprising. Um, obviously, we were on in the car, Denny, weren't we? Uh, between the start and the finish in those early stages. Um, and your teammate, Lizzie, uh, Catherine went for a, a solo break, but we were very surprised there weren't. Uh, more riders in that break, particularly as you'd pick that, Lizzie, as a as a possible breakaway day. Um, so, well, let's hear from Catherine uh, and uh, and you know, I, I think she was probably expecting me to say something like, "You must be, you must have had a lovely time on a solo break today," and that's not what I said. So I kind of put her maybe wrong-footed her slightly, and she was a bit surprised by what I actually said. So uh, please have a listen here. And how frustrated were you or well, maybe you were delighted <laughs> I should start out start more positively but really how frustrated were you to be kind of left out on your own and then brought back before the TV coverage
8: um, yeah I mean that's a different angle of seeing it I mean I was actually a bit sad that no one wanted to join I mean I hope for a bit of company um, but this way I could at least be sure that all the cheering was just for me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I was hoping for more for some riders to, to jump, but I mean, it didn't happen. So I focused on the climbs and the uh, mountain competition points. But um, yeah, I mean, I also didn't want to kill myself, um, so I ca- kind of kept it steady. And then, um, yeah, when I was caught, we focused on the sprint and on keeping Veronica safe for GC. And no. You, you must have been a bit
1: surprised though that other teams didn't seem motivated to, to go because it, it would no, have been quite good for, well yeah. it was almost a breakaway win, but yeah. even from that early point it would have been a good for a breakaway.
8: Yeah, I mean there were groups going before, before this attack and then I kind of um, countered a group that just uh, was caught back with Georgia in, um, but yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, I I don't know what happened in the peloton then, I was hoping for someone to jump, but it sounded like just too many riders wanted to go, and then it was kind of neutralizing um, itself, I guess. Um, So it's not, you don't think it's
1: like a TV coverage thing that riders are thinking well we're not going to go out front for all that time without a
8: team no, looking at us. no I mean before there were attacks and I think it was would also make sense I mean in the, a race like this we know like maybe five riders can win so for a lot of riders it would make sense and especially for the mountain competition so there was interest in going that I think maybe it was just too many that wanted to go are you interested in pursuing the mountains competition over the next
1: few days because you're, you're third on it at the moment
8: yeah I mean I think my best chance to get it as a breakaway but I mean I already spent a lot of energy today so I don't know if I want to go again <laughs> we'll see. maybe thank with you, a doesn't... few more riders yeah, baby. <laughs> thank you Catherine, appreciate it thank you
1: well uh, Katrin uh, in a very good mood um, for someone who uh, who's did such a mammoth effort only to be pulled back before the TV coverage started but um, it's another question obviously we've got you know why is anyone helping uh, SD Works pull a chase back, but then why aren't there more people looking to get into the break? Obviously, James said there that um, there were plenty of people trying to get into the break and that was part of the problem, but you know, why are the other teams not? They can't all be being pulled back by SD Works. So, why uh, are none of the other teams kind of allowing? Uh, mm. A bit of breathing space, allowing a, a break to go.
2: I did. I did have a chat to Tom Varney after the race about this. The DS at um, Life Plus Wahoo. His theory is that um, there are kind of teams with, right, with riders with GC ambitions who don't have any other goals, who don't want to let riders up the road because they're worried about them gaining time on their GC rivals. I don't know how much we can. I don't know. I don't know how much that is true. But I thought he,
1: we just had a peloton of teams of, of people who want to go for stage wins that's what I that's the yeah. impression that I've got from talking to everyone everyone's going for stage wins there's only like Demi Vollering and Annemiek van Vluten realistically going for the yellow jersey a few other people going for some minor placings on the apologies to one who's going for third and I've called it a minor placing but you know what I mean the GC competition is not particularly widespread it's kind of more stage wins is what I thought everyone was going for
2: yeah, well, maybe maybe you're right, but th- th- then um, th- then as uh, as Lizzie said, if if it's if you know it's going to come down to a sprint today, and you know that Lorena Rebus is going to be the the favourite, when why are you chasing? Why are you doing their work for them mm-hmm. and chasing down these breakaway riders? I guess that's one thing. I think the other thing is that um, the other thing that Tom told me that I thought was quite interesting was the fact that um, you know he felt for his team. Well, we had our day. Uh, kind of in front of the TV cameras on stage one, when it was flag-to-flag coverage, um, that they, they've ticked that box for that oh, team. Wow. Uh, they've okay. got other goals, kind of developing the riders, they're going for the young riders classification with Ella Wiley, so they, don't, they didn't need to go up the road today.
3: Yeah, it, it, is a, it is a good point about the TV coverage, isn't it? Because the problem is, you know, Catherine Hammers was away for 60 kilometres and we didn't see a moment of it. So typically you have the smaller teams um, who are going to struggle to have bigger ambitions in the race, going on breaks early in the stage, gaining coverage for their sponsors, uh, TV time. But unfortunately, we don't have that TV time because we've got two hours of coverage, which is decent. But that covers the point where the team's getting itch- itchy and then the final of the race. And it's this like you say rose because it's sort of everybody's going for these stage wins i think when there's one rider out front people go okay right that's easy to control but as soon as it's a group of six say you know we had at one point there was a really strong group that looked like it was going to get away just before um van der Velde went it had uh, alice maria al in it uh, elena Cicchini. uh, um Agnieszka, Skalniak, um and a few others and I thought wow this is a really strong group this is really going to go but then that just sends up alarm bells with all of the other teams that aren't in it and it just comes back immediately and then once there's one rider everybody's like okay yeah that's fine but if more people to go try to go across it just gets shut down so it's everybody it's everybody being cagey and everybody being nervous because every day there's There's like a serious stage win on the line. Um, And, you know, as I was talking about traps in the other day, you know, there's traps for the GC riders every day. And it's also it's so different to men's cycling, isn't it? You know, in men's cycling, there are always teammates who are going to chase. That isn't the case in women's cycling. You know, for instance, SD Works, famous for not chasing.
1: Who should chase. Who should chase. If I have not made that clear. Yeah, (laughs) but you know, but in in terms of the rules on uh, the rules of men's cycling, you know, it's definitely like the person with the favorite, the person with the yellow jersey. Those are the people that the peloton is looking to, aren't they?
3: Yeah, but you know, SD works. They've got a split team, right? So they've basically got three and a half riders for the sprint, three and a half riders for the for the GC. And so who do you really commit to do the chasing? Because do you diminish your lead out or do you diminish your um, GC protection riders for the other stages? So it, it's just, I know, and I know there are only eight riders in the men's rather than seven riders in the women's. And, and I do think seven riders, having seven riders in Grand Tours this year does make a difference to enable you to have one rider who's more of a kind of pure domestique that you can put towards that. That chasing role but there's just that lack of cohesiveness between teams of right okay we're going to have five teams putting one rider on the front and we're just going to chase this down and bring it back together it just doesn't happen like that in women's cycling it's just not the same kind of I don't know flow to the stage uh not the same kind of understanding or cohesiveness between the teams
2: but it's interesting isn't it because I guess what you're saying is Lizzie then they don't want to they don't want to let a break go get a, a big gap because then that creates more work later on but therefore they they use riders kind of earlier on to make sure the brake doesn't get too much, you know, doesn't go too far out or it doesn't get too big.
3: Yeah, well, I think it's, I think it's often just the natural flow of the peloton is the reason that it doesn't get too big. If you've got one rider out front against, you know, uh, we describe the peloton as a washing machine because you're sort of always going round up to the front, coming back through the middle, and that natural flow of the peloton keeps the speed higher than with a solo rider. Um and so you know anyway unless the peloton really decides to sit up then a rider a solo rider out front is never going to gain that much depend you know depending on the conditions so you know it doesn't really take much effort to keep them at 1 or 2 minutes um so yeah tricky one really
5: shoot uh, shoot at l'arrière du peloton cycling podcast team car at the back of the pack please that's Seb Piquet, the voice of Radio Tour, to remind me to tell you that this episode of our Tour de France fan coverage is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. Now, we've used LinkedIn Jobs in the past to hire people to work with us on the cycling podcast, and it's worked very well for us when small businesses need to hire somebody uh, for any kind of role it can be quite a stressful period because the stakes are pretty high for a small business when hiring somebody so you want to be 100 percent certain that you're identifying the best candidates for the job and linkedin jobs will help you find the right people quickly and for free because it's free to post a job ad on linkedin jobs Basically, you just write your job description, you add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, and that will help other people on LinkedIn to recognize that you are hiring. And then there are some simple tools such as screening questions, which make it really easy to home in on just the right candidates who've got the right skills and experience for your organization. And that will help you prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires against their other competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash cycle. That's linkedin.com slash cycle. You can post your job ad for free and then wait to see who applies. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Well, Denny, we're here in La Lardin Saint Lazare. Oh, a palpable sense of suspense. This is going to be, of course, the caravan coming through. Your first caravan. Um, what do you know of it?
2: Not really much, actually, Rose. We got a sneak peek of the caravan at uh, Clermont Ferrand. I saw a truck. I told you
1: to avert your eyes, Denny. Uh,
2: yes, I know. Tracks. Well, you know, it's known as uh, the thing that comes through before the race and uh, various. Uh, cars and uh, vehicles uh, with people on give out cheap, cheap stuff to give to the uh, crowds.
1: Well, here we go, Denny. This is the uh, start. We've got the uh, LCL, the yellow jersey sponsor, there coming through. Uh, we've actually got uh, not giving out anything. Those guys just waves. We don't want your waves. We want your plastic tat.
2: de vous accompagner sur le Bonjour
5: tous, Well here we go Danny, this is what it's all about really.
1: The uh, People who work on the caravan, they stand on the top of the vehicles. And whip everyone into a frenzy every day for the whole Tour de France at the Women's Tour de France.
2: How, how frenzied do you think the, uh, the locals are here?
1: They're, they're, they're not quite gay. I thought they were going to be very into it. Because we actually have, like, there's a, um, a little boy dressed as a, a caveman over there because uh, of the Lascaux cave has been so close. There's a man with a dinosaur. Here we go. Here we this go. is what you want. Yes. Bit of FDJ. <laughs> Uh can you imagine doing this for about effectively thirty days I guess is what they do it for.
2: Yeah, I mean you probably need as much stamina as a as a tour fam rider, I think, to do I this. Know,
1: even more so, you well, have the, the sleep deprivation the parties at the hotel, the sleep deprivation. Even more so.
2: Yeah, this is uh quite something, isn't it? And there's uh, a lot more vehicles than I thought I think I thought there were gonna be, Rose. I think you, you underplayed how big this might be. But so far no, nothing given away. Just lots of loud music. Avec l'aventure, adventure de Rêve Dédicace to job de
8: Rêve with <laughs> Marion, elle est is there, she is Come on Denny, go for one come on, look lively, come on find the
2: spirit of it By my direction Rose, i go oh, Come on, you're going to be like this
1: We've just been throwing what we've been throwing.
2: What have have we got? Is this a poncho? We'd be
1: lucky if it was because we haven't got one
2: between us. No, it's a a, a bag. It's just a bag.
1: Experience of uh, worshiping at the uh, temple of plastic consumerism. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I have to say that was, that was an experience, definitely worth worth doing once. I'd say. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm, it's a very small town here, um, and there were probably two or three hundred people, kind of clamouring for whatever they could find. Um, it was quite astonishing to witness, really. And as you say, Rose, just thinking about how much stuff must be given away on the tour is quite worrying in a, from an environmental perspective. It is, uh,
1: yeah, you're probably not the best uh, person to come in and enjoy this experience, I have to say. Uh, but, you know, I do always say that, you know, at the end of the world, it will just be cockroaches and an FDJ keychain that will be uh, left. But, I mean, I have seen people before come to the... Uh, the Tour de France... To the to Men's Tour de France. I have seen people come and uh, do the caravan and then go off home before the uh, cycling comes through. So uh, they all look like they're quite in the spirit of things. I think they'll be sticking around for the Tour de France fam. But we should get uh, on our way so we can beat the caravan to the finish line. Thanks, Rose. Well, that was the sound of Denny Gray um, seeing his first caravan, um, which was just, it was actually, uh, to be honest, I've done, I think, probably maybe eight or nine, Tours de France, and uh, I probably have only seen the caravan maybe once or twice properly, fully uh, in all that time. So it was a little bit of a new. Experience. I wasn't that helpful as a guide, was I? <laughs> I kind of just let you
3: let you run wild uh, amongst a load of vehicles, just grabbing. What, what, you did, know, you, what, what did you What did you get, danny Did you get a hat? Oh, you ha- well, well. The,
2: this is the thing. Okay, so I was being a you know an environmental. I in my day job. I was trying to avoid collecting too much. Uh, I did did get a sun hat, which was very useful today. uh, Yes, that's true.
1: You were Denny was wearing the sun hat. So proudly donned while trying to get ride
2: interviews. But uh, but yeah, the thing was, as uh, you know, as we hinted at earlier, that the um, you you almost had to kind of fight people off giving you stuff. I mean, Rose, you mentioned the fact that you had uh, one hat given to you, and then somebody was trying to put another hat on top of you and it was just uh it was just a fight to avoid uh being given stuff it was a, a very weird kind of frenzied experience
1: well I'm glad that you had a great time Denny <laughs> <laughs> I do I'm glad that you really uh you uh, really uh, enjoyed it um but um, okay not going to take you anywhere I'm in the really future I'm really glad but... you
2: took me It it's a brilliant experience I honestly Rose like, I've always wanted to experience the caravan honestly I'd say that from the bottom of my heart, but well, I, I mean, a- I wouldn't do it again.
3: Anyone who have, to you know it's what, to- Danny? Have you also always wanted to experience a pizza vending machine? <gasps> wow! Very nicely done, Lizzie. What a segue.
1: Yes, um, because Lizzie, you did actually say yesterday at the podcast when it was getting dark and it was getting very late and there was really nothing open at all. Oh, we just find a pizza vending machine, and uh, well, we should do a big corrections corner because I've been correction cornered on multiple (laughs) occasions yesterday in in probably the space of one sentence because I not only poo-pooed your idea that it was a 12th century building and I still stand by it wasn't a 12th century building uh, that we were looking at yesterday but you did say, Denny, that the stone... uh, you
2: You asked me to name a century that the square was built in and I suggested it was the 12th century so I looked into the construction of the church opposite which dominates the square and the construction began in the 12th century.
1: <laughs> so he's very... The number of times... And, then, mentioned Rose, that today, then, and then, then I said that there's you, no way because of that, because it was so old, there's no way there'd be a vending machine, pizza vending machine uh, in the vicinity. There was three in the town. We obviously picked uh, the best one, a 4.6 on Google reviews, of course. Nothing but the best for us. Um, and it was a real experience. We will have to go on Instagram and put up the uh, footage of us... It was surprising. I know that, Lizzie, you had a pizza vending machine not
3: that long ago, but it's surprising I I and delightful. One, uh, I had one on, uh, I, did, I was doing a recon for the five uh, hilly mountainous stages of the men's Tour de France, and we stopped for a highly recommended pizza machine, vending machine pizza, and it was actually really, really good. And I had it seven kilometres into my ride, and I was really good that day, so I can also highly recommend it as ride fuel if the riders are passing one en route and fancy... A snack. I mean, they've got 177 kilometers to go tomorrow, so uh, just why not? I <laughs> so might need a pizza on route. <laughs> exactly, but I know you're also a fan of vending machine, Lizzie,
1: aren't you? Because when you used to live in Sheffield, um, yeah, that's true. The milk vending milk. machine that was not that far was kind of on the on the way home from your rides was kind of a key stopping point for you.
3: Yeah, that's very true. And now that I live uh, on the edge of the Jura, there are a lot of cheese vending machines here selling Comte. Um, There's actually one in the Jura where you can get a dried duck, which was absolutely sensational. Can you imagine that? Dried duck from a vending machine? Well, we haven't come up with one of those. But uh, maybe, as you say, uh, the
1: riders might be interested in stopping off at one of the obviously many vending machine uh, foods that you can get. Uh, here in France uh, tomorrow, but we did uh, catch up with someone who, who actually, we found, finally found someone, after all these days, that might be finally going and admitting to wanting the green jersey, didn't we Denny, and we actually saw it on the footage, Ashley Mormon Passio locked in a sprint with Lottie Capecchi and Lorena Vibas, which is probably something that she very rarely finds herself doing, um, and going for the green jersey
2: yeah it was uh the green jersey point points com- competition came alive today didn't it uh, and um it looks like it will be Ashley Mormon Pasio versus SD works uh, from here on in it was you know, lorena Rebus went for the intermediate sprint points uh and won and then won the stage um lotta Ashley Mormon when I spoke to her I know you spoke to'll we'll we hear from her in a bit, but she, she kind of said well she was surprised lotta capeki let let her uh, beat her almost uh, to, to get more points so it'll be interesting to see whether a lot of continues to uh, to fight for that um, competition but it's nice to see that we at last have a we have we, it's a bit more clear who's interested at least anyway
1: it's not many it's not very many people but let's no. hear from uh, Ashley Mormon Passio now who who uh, You know as a climber and and it's not an entirely sprinty kind of parkour for this uh, race it's actually in quite a good place on for the green jersey stakes ash
9: we saw you actually going for the (laughs) green there today yeah well i mean um of course gc is the main ambition so i don't want to waste too much energy on it but um Yeah I mean it was a bit of an uphill drag so Jolene said from the car well Ash if you can grab some points just with good bunch positioning then go for it and yeah I was right up there and I thought well it's 300 metres to go or something I'm going to jump and see what happens and yeah I took some points so (laughs) still fighting for the green.
1: Does it put you in a good position because you know that obviously you're going to be strong obviously the points are less on the later stages but you know you're going to be stronger there as well?
9: Yeah, well, it is actually quite an interesting tour in terms of the um, the green jersey because it is just relentlessly hard. You know, every day is quite a few altitude meters, so it does almost uh, favour uh, a more explosive climber. Um, so yeah, let's see. Are you kind of surprised that so few, it seems to be so few people going for it? Yeah, it's in, yeah, I mean, surprised, but then I also understand why. Like, um, as I said, you know, every day is hard. There's, today, I think, was just less than 2,000 meters. So, um, you know, the, the true sprinters, it's maybe just a bit too tough for them to go for it. So, yeah, nice opportunity for the reliers. Um, and I suppose, you know, I'm somewhere in between, you know. I can be a relier, but I can also be a climber. That's, I suppose, my biggest strength. So that was Ashley Mormon
1: Pasio of AG Insurance Sudal Quickstep. I literally that's probably the only team that I have to write down uh, in big letters on my notebook uh, to make sure I get the team name right but it's nice to see the green Jersey competition coming to life, doesn't it, Lizzie I mean because we, we have been kind of who wants the green asking the question of who wants the green jersey all of these days.
3: Well, it's nice to hear Ashley Mompasio taking our advice and saying, you know, you're there, (laughs) Ashley. Why don't you just go for it? No, absolutely. And I think, you know, tomorrow we've got the sprint point is again on on a little bit of a climb, um, so it could help Ashley out a bit. Again, on the finish tomorrow, we've got a really sharp uphill kick to the line. So it's there's a lot of climbs in the last forty kilometres. Nearly a thousand metres of climbing in the last forty kilometres of tomorrow. So. I don't know if Vibas will get over the night over those and up to the finish. She may, you know, have another day where she says, can't be bothered, going to save myself for tomorrow. Um, and so that favours Ashley in terms of getting more points. Unfortunately, it also favours Lotta Kopecky, who I was actually almost surprised to see Kopecky leading out Vibas for the green jersey points today, because I think that given the hilly nature of the terrain, even if Vibus is going for the overall wins, Capecchi is more likely to have more higher stage finishes and be there for more of the sprint points. Um, having said that, Vibus is only 25 points behind Capecchi now.
5: Yeah. Um,
3: but yeah, Ashley Mormon Pasio definitely has a chance, especially with this really nasty uphill sort of 8% kick to the line tomorrow.
2: There are, there are more points available on the line on the, the flat stages, or at least the stages that are deemed flat. Uh, in the road book. So mm. uh, I think it's 50 points for the winner on those stages, whereas tomorrow there's only 30. So, of course, uh, mm. if Lorena Wiebes was to win the two final flat stages, that would put her in an excellent position in that competition.
1: Yeah, we should actually uh, clarify that Lottie Capecchi uh, is the holder of the green jersey, but obviously is wearing yellow uh, at the moment. And uh, tomorrow, Lorena Wiebes will be donning the green jersey uh, for her teammate because. She is 25 points behind uh, Lottie Capecchi and Ashie Moorman um, is on 79 points compared to Lottie Capecchi's 125 points. So
3: I think we will see, I think it's likely that we'll see Lorena Vibas wearing the green jersey tomorrow because. Um... She's she's taking it behind her teammate, but actually, because Lorena Vivas is the European champion, the rules state that the European Championship champion, champions jersey or other champions jerseys like the World Championships jersey actually overrides um, a a secondarily held green jersey if it's not yours if you're looking after it so um, mm. we saw this in the Giro where Vibas could have worn the uh, Malia Ciclamino, um but actually refused it because she had the champions jersey on and my teammate Veronica Ewers was wearing it but because it's owned by her teammate I think we'll probably see her wearing it tomorrow but yeah uh, interesting UCI rule there little known UCI yes
1: rule. I don't I don't think I realize that that seems crazy. Although, I mean, we were discussing a bit earlier, weren't we, Denny, the, what we thought of the, the green jersey in this year's edition. I like it as a colour, but I disagree with it as uh, the green jersey because I think it needs to be a bit more I would obvious. I with you. Very, well, put that in the record books because <laughs> that is quite a moment here on the Cycling Podcast Feminine. Uh, but I think we should talk about a jersey that I think, even at this early stage, stage seems reasonably uh, nailed on and that's the white jersey the youth uh, jersey um, and we did actually have a question yesterday about Cedrine Kerbol Keba- Keba- you asked her didn't I? I, I, what's so annoying is I've written phonetically Kerbol on my Kerbol, Cedrine- Kerbol.
2: you've got to do that rolling R
1: Kerbol Cedrine Kerbol um, and uh, you caught up with her
8: uh, this morning at the start. Um, yeah, I'm more uh, focusing on TT and uh, a yeah, long climb rider. Uh, I'm working on my sprint for uh, try to make it better. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm more like a, a tractor, <laughs> a diesel. Uh, uh, even if uh, uh, there is an attack and I, I take a, a gap, I will always try to come back on this group.
2: If the uh, corner shorter climbs are more of a challenge, is tomorrow's stage a bit of a, a worry for you?
8: Um, yes and no, because it will happen in the end of the stage, and I, I know that uh, I can normally resist well to kilometres. So yesterday I was feeling really better in the end of the stage than in the start, so I hope it will be the same uh, today and tomorrow.
1: Now, Cedrine Kerbo actually has 1 minute 21 over Ella Wiley. I think you mentioned Ella Wiley a bit earlier. Uh, didn't you Denny um, but she seems very nifty and can I just also guide people to uh, her quite nascent YouTube page where she's kind of giving people a bit of a a flavour um, of life uh, in the peloton but she's she's also a good climber so she's kind of set up very well for the rest of the week.
2: Yeah I mean uh, she is a good climber clearly and, and also an excellent time trialist and as she said in uh, in the interview there she's She feels she's more suited to those kind of long climbs. And I guess it's where, uh, sorry, stage seven is where we're going to see the big time differences in that particular competition. Tom Varney was at pains to tell me that uh, Ella Wiley had uh, had uh, a chance in that competition. As you say, she's Mm -hmm. she's behind currently. She's on paper a kind of similar kind of rider. She's she's a strong time trialist. She won the youth classification at the Zulia this year. Uh, and was 8th overall at the Santos Tour Down Under. So I guess we shouldn't completely rule her out and it would be interesting to see how it goes. But I, th- I would say t- two years older, Cedrine feels like, uh, or C- Cedrine K- Kerbol, it feels like she has is, is the hot favourite at least.
0: Now for some French flavour with B, francois thomason A little bit of French uh, flavor from stage 3 of the uh, Tour de France Femme with Zwift. That's, uh, let's say the whole the whole appellation of the race. Uh, you started from uh, Colonge-la-Rouge, which is interesting because it actually is a very nice little village. and uh, It was kind of decaying at one stage and the mayor had a, had a very good idea. He created an association of uh beautiful villages in in france and uh and he created a label called les plus beaux villages de france the most beautiful villages in france so uh the well the label was born in in uh, colonge la rouge and uh, and since very uh, it's become very popular there there there's a uh, a few hundreds uh, a few hundred villages or label plus village villages de France, and well, so you were lucky to start from one of those. Of course, we're finishing in Montignac-Lascaux, and uh, well, the, this is one of the most famous uh, prehistorical sites in France, the Lascaux Cave, um, well, it's, it's one of the most important decorated caves of the Upper Paleolithic, in terms of the number and aesthetic quality of its works it has been referred to as the Sistine Chapel of cave art i don't know if you well i know what it's like you working hard and uh, you don't have a you know chance and time to go down to to to, to, to see the cave you can't actually go down the cave but uh, there's been a, a number of replicas of uh, the cave to uh, to see what uh, the, the 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 paintings uh, look look like but um, so they they actually estimated that between 19,000 and 17,000 years old, uh, a time when probably Jeanne Longo was already riding her bike. No, I'm joking, but I'm joking because actually there's a sportive held in Montignac Lasco every year, and um, in 2021, only two years ago, Jeanne Longo took part in the in the périgordine. Uh, well, the ever La Jani, you know, we won so many world championship titles and French championship titles, uh, still uh, riding her bike. Um, yeah, so well, obviously if you're in your area, you're in Dordogne, one of the most beautiful area areas in france uh full of uh, brits let's face it i mean your are is good at uh, you know finding and settling in the most beautiful parts of france that sometimes the french themselves themselves overlook um it talking of food well dordogne is you know pretty famous for food Um uh, uh, there's lots of, of things to be found well like in the south the the south west you know you will be going for duck uh, that's the the main thing there's a little local specialties in uh, specialty in Montignac it's called the, the crispés crispés are kind of dumplings made from bread crumbs and uh, you know egg white and they're pan fried in two to three centimeters of oil they are served hot and crispy that's probably why they're called crispé, with tomato sauce or fresh cheese well um, well guys try crispé de montignac and i'll talk to you tomorrow
1: well thank you very much lizzie and you'll be delighted to know a delightful little um stripy, not a tabby cat, but a very lovely stripy cat. It's actually coming directly towards us right now, almost because it wants to uh, wish you uh, a good night. I know you're a big... I'm going to go and get this cat, actually, Denny. You do the good
2: we oh, should. Well, she should also say that uh, we saw the biggest cat we've ever seen in the hotel last night, so we should send you wow. pictures of that. Oh,
3: wow. That, is, that is, is a beautiful it's, This is a cat.
1: beautiful... Um, it's kind of a gingery, stripy cat. It's an absolute... Uh, Uh, gorgeous cat but yes nowhere near the size of the cat that we saw this morning which was absolutely uh huge but lizzie uh good night and uh speak to you tomorrow
3: thank you rose you can find the rest of the review of the cats in a podcast of the peloton coming out soon (laughs) and uh thank you very much denny good
2: night the cycling podcast was created in 2013 by richard moore daniel free and lionel bernie